0: Thank you. Today, since we have finished up the series on the seven I Am statements of Jesus, I want to kind of dovetail that into a series on the Holy Spirit. John 14, verses 16 through 18, Jesus said, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor who will be with you forever the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept Him because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, but you know Him, for He lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Let's pray. Our most gracious Father, we praise You for who You are, and we thank You so much for this fantastic day that You've given us, a day to celebrate You, Your presence, Lord, your, your power and your provision, a day to celebrate you as King of kings and Lord of lords. Father, we give you the praise and the glory for it all. Thank you for open hearts and minds to receive your truth, and thank you for the privilege of being able to stand in your name. So allow me then to step back and for you to step forward and to proclaim your word. Be with us now. May we honor you above all things. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, the Holy Spirit, I grew up in the King James Version like most of you did, and so to me it was the Holy Ghost, and kind of frightening when I thought about it. We didn't talk about it much. I'm reminded about the uh, Sunday school teacher who had her little elementary age kids there, and she was trying to figure out exactly what do I do to demonstrate the Trinity to these children? She thought and thought about it, and then she thought, you know what, I can get a big pretzel, one of those that is interwoven and and has the three holes in it. She said, "I I can explain to the children that like this pretzel, the three holes will represent the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, and that would d- demonstrate the Trinity because they all come from the same dough, the same strand. It's all three in one and one in three. So she got up and she explained it. This one the one hole here would be the, God the Father, and this hole would be Jesus Christ, the Son, and this hole would be the Holy Ghost. And so she called on little Johnny, who with fear and trepidation got up and she said now explain to the class what I just explained to you he kind of timidly looked at it and he said well this hole is God the Father and this hole is God the Son Jesus Christ and well this hole is holy smoke (laughs) well you know as far as I was concerned growing up, it may as well have been, because whenever I heard the pastor or the preacher proclaim from the pulpit about the Holy Ghost, the word when I was little, when I think about ghost, is that not scary? I mean, really? We talk about ghost in church, and we're talking about the Holy Ghost, and, and it was just a kind of a frightening subject to me, so I like. As a young kid, like so many Baptists before me, didn't even talk about him. But we need to understand the nature, the person, the work of the Holy Spirit, and it is something to be excited about. It's with joy that I bring you this message today. As we look at John 14, Jesus is trying hard after the Last Supper to prepare the disciples for his ultimate betrayal, his arrest, his conviction, his scourging, his death on the cross, and his ultimate departure from them. They're having a hard time with this whole concept to begin with. So Jesus said that I will give you, I will not leave you as, orph- as orphans, comfortless. I'm going to send you a counselor, a comforter. The word in the Greek, it literally is paraclete. It is a word that means literally someone who comes alongside you for the rest of your life. Well, Jesus said he would not leave them as orphans. I, don't, I think most people here understand what that means. Some of you were orphaned perhaps young in age. I remember when my dad died some 15 years ago, I looked at my sister and brother and said, you know what? Mother died a few years ago. We're orphans. And it was it's kind of one of those things where... You, you think about how much somebody your parents mean to you and the thought of not being able to pick up a phone and call on them or the or the thought of not being able to relate to them in some way there are still times even to this day that I I desire to talk to my dad or my mother but Jesus was struggling with this with the disciples they this whole concept of him leaving was was an alien concept though he had tried to prepare them for this particular, situation. Well, Jesus said, I'll give you another comforter, another parish. Somebody's going to come alongside you. You'll find him. Now, we have clues of that in John 7, verses 38 and 39. Jesus said, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this, he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not yet been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. Luke 24, 49, Jesus told the disciples, I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Acts 1, verses 4 through 5, this is in that 40-day period. After Jesus' resurrection, where Jesus had been meeting with the disciples on occasions and trying to prepare them for his ultimate ascension into heaven. And trying to help them understand that he's not going to leave them as orphans. He's not going to leave them comfortless, but will send another comforter, another counselor who would be with them. So in Acts 1 verses 4 through 5, Jesus, on one occasion while Jesus was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift that my Father has promised, which you have heard me speak about, this gift. For John baptized you with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. John fifteen twenty six says, When the counselor comes, whom I will send you from the Father, Jesus said, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. John 16, 7, Jesus says, But I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the Counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send Him to you. So you see, there is obviously a difference between the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament and the one that comes after Pentecost. Because the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament was one of the three Three in one. The Spirit of God. And it's not an it. It is a he. Jesus referred to him as a person. And so this person of the Holy Spirit in the creation story moved across the waters of the deep and formed the earth into what we know. So he was involved in the creation, in the creative process. The Holy Spirit was involved uh, in the Old Testament prophets. Kings and so forth. But the difference is prior to Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was given and rescinded by God for His own purpose. We see where the prophets would be moved upon by the Holy Spirit and when they spoke, they said, Thus saith the Lord and would proclaim what God has mentioned. And there the Holy Spirit would be given to them for that purpose of prophesying and yet would be rescinded after the prophecy was given. So it was the Holy Spirit that was working on people. We see it in Gideon. We see it in Samson. Samson said, Lord, for this one time I'm asking you, come upon me and strengthen me that I may do your will. And the Holy Spirit moved in Samson's life to where he had the strength to do that final act of judgment. So here it is, we see that in the New Testament, after Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was given to us as a gift from the Father. The disciples had no idea what that meant, we're going to hit that in the next few weeks. The disciples really didn't understand, all they knew was that Jesus told them to wait or tarry in Jerusalem until you have been endued or clothed with power from on high. It is the gift from the Father, wait. Well, how will we know it? There's no UPS, there's no Amazon delivery, there's none of this. How are we going to know what this gift is? Just wait in the upper room, Jesus said. You'll find it, he'll find you. So in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was given and rescinded as the Father desired. The prophets spoke as the Spirit moved on them. Psalms 51, David said, pray, do not cast me from your spirit from your presence, or take your Holy Spirit from me. 2 Peter 1.21 says, For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along or moved by the Holy Spirit. So we, we see a difference in the Holy Spirit's activity in the Old Testament and then in the New Testament. In the Old Testament you see in Exodus 40 where The Bible says, then the cloud appeared or covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the land, uh, the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled upon it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Well, we understand that in the exodus from Egypt to the promised land, that 40 years' wilderness experience, God was present. He was Emmanuel. God was with them. In a, in a cloud by day and a pillar of fire at night. It was God's presence with them. And the indication was, is that He filled the tabernacle or the tent of meeting. That was it. And the, but Jesus said in verse 17, He lives with you and will be in you. Wow. Now there's a difference. He's no longer working with us on the exterior or on the outside of us, But the Bible says when we come to know Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes into our lives to inhabit us. How do we know that? 1 Corinthians 3.16. The Bible says, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's Spirit lives in you? 1 Corinthians 6.19. Do you not know? that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God. So now we recognize that our bodies have now been recognized or ordained by God as His temple, in which His, the Holy Spirit of God resides in those of us that trust in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. You know? And then when we think as... As children, that he's a ghost, it brings up a whole different realm of, of fears, I think, in our lives. But the reality is the Greek word pneuma, as you well know, is that word for spirit. So it ought to be interpreted that spirit, because today in the 21st century, it has a different connotation than the word ghost. It is the unseen that is working not only with us, but resides in us as believers in Jesus Christ. And because He resides in us, He empowers us with certain things to accomplish His purpose, His will, and to be glorified in and through us. That He might be glorified through all that we do. Well, Jesus said it that way. He says, the spirit of truth, the world cannot accept Him. It neither sees Him nor knows Him. But you know him as believers, he's telling his disciples, for he lives with you and will be in you. Remember the verse where Jesus says, nevertheless it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I do not go away, the the spirit, that is the comforter, will not come. The condition of Jesus' departure from planet earth as Emmanuel, God with us, is that Until he leaves planet earth, the Holy Spirit would not come and would not reside in in mankind because that's a condition of Jesus' departure. The Holy Spirit would come, the Comforter, the Paraclete, the one who comes alongside. He's there. Well, we're going to do some clarification in what his person and work is in the weeks yet to come. His work in salvation, how do we know? What does the Holy Spirit do exactly in and through us? How does He come? What is His purpose? What is His goal? What is His ultimate end in residing in us? Well, I will not leave you as orphans, Jesus said. You're not going to be alone. You're not going to be wondering what's going on. And, and then Pentecost hit. Oh my goodness gracious. I love it. And then all of a sudden, we who know Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior have been clothed or endued, as King James says, from, with power from on high. This dynamite, this dunamis, this, this, this Greek concept that, that is a power that comes externally and beyond this world. It's something that God and God alone close us with it's the gift it's the gift that keeps on giving and giving and giving every day of our lives when we wake up the holy spirit bids us good morning and all through the day he is working through our consciousness he is working through our lives he is working through our our minds and souls to to fashion us into god's vessel that is fit for his use for his glory so that we might be empowered to do the things that God expects us to do. Holy Spirit, He's given to each and every one of us as believers. Well, the Spirit of truth. I'm going to ask the Father and He will give you another comforter, another counselor, another one, another person to come alongside you who will not only be with you, but will be with you forever, Jesus says. Forever. It's not a time when when you feel like, you know, I, I just feel abandoned by God. You'll never be abandoned by God if the Holy Spirit lives in you. He's always there. He's always going to be there as a believer in Jesus Christ. How do we know that? Because Jesus told us. He will be with you forever. Not only will he be with you, Jesus goes on by saying, He lives with you and shall be in you. Now that sounds kind of uh, spooky to some people that don't understand that particular thing. But when Philippians uh, 2.5, for example, says, let this mind be in you which was in Christ Jesus, it is a matter of the Holy Spirit beginning to work through our minds so that our decisions, our likes and our dislikes begin to be fashioned by the Holy Spirit. Now I do, I do hope that none of you feel put upon by that particular concept because to have the mind of Christ we literally have the one who does what the Father tells Him to do and that's the Holy Spirit Jesus said to the Father in John 17 all that you've asked me to do I have done the Holy Spirit says to the Father all that you've asked me to do with this individual I've done I have exhorted, I have admonished, I have rebuked, I have taught, I have prayed, I have done all of these things. So, in your mind, in the heart of Jesus, we find the Holy Spirit being given to us as our counselor, as our comforter, so that we're not orphans. He doesn't leave us. He never leaves us. What did He say in that Great Commission in Matthew twenty-eight, eighteen? All power in heaven and on earth has been given unto me, Jesus said. Therefore, go. How would they do this? How would the church go out on some kind of a commission? How would this particular uh, mission be accomplished by the, this ragtag group of disciples, these fishermen, these, these other people that, that join them? Some of them without education whatsoever. The only education they had was in the synagogues. And how would they go out into this world? How would the the good news of Jesus Christ be carried forth? That's a great question. Well, I just want to whet your appetite to what's coming. Look over with me at Acts 2. Because in Acts 2 we get a, We get a good glimpse as to how that happens. So as Jesus has told them to tarry in Jerusalem, to wait there until the gift of the Father has come upon you. How will we know? Wait. You'll see it. It's coming. So the Bible says that in chapter 2 of Acts, verse 1, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Why? Because Jesus told them to be there. They were in this upper room. In Jerusalem. We know that. Suddenly a wind like, like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues. And as they saw what seemed to be tongues, a fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. This ball of fire that just kind of separated. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. There's the gift of the Father to every believer who has trusted in Jesus Christ as his or her Lord and Savior. They began to speak in other tongues, not unknown tongues, other tongues. Now, at Pentecost, as they were all gathered together, we see that they were staying in Jerusalem, verse 5, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. How would this mission, how would this ministry, how would this uh, worldwide global, gospel-reaching process occur? Well, kind of like America now. If they didn't go out into the world, God brought the world to them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment. in bewilderment, because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Now, lest you think there weren't many languages gathered together for this celebration of Pentecost, utterly amazed, they ask, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? A little bit of prejudice there. These fishermen and other people that come from that low-educated, uh, undeveloped, lack of economy place of this nation, these Galileans. How Then how is it that each of us, those of you in my Wednesday night Bible study, by the way, I want you to see something here. Utterly amazed, they ask, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them speak in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, resident of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia. Hopefully you remember that from Wednesday night. Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya near Cyrene. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism. Cretans. you remember that from Wednesday night? And Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues, amazed and perplexed. They ask one another, what does this mean? Some said they had too much wine. I don't understand that, that logic that comes to that conclusion. But here's the thing. How would they know that the gift of the Father had come upon them or had been given to them? And what would this gift be? All of a sudden they realize it's, the gift is the Holy Spirit. We're speaking in other languages. When I go overseas, I always have an interpreter. When I speak, I have an interpreter with me. I have no idea. I can say, hello, welcome, it's good to see you in some of these languages that I speak, and that's it. But for these uneducated Galileans to speak in tongues and languages that these who have been gathered together at this festival of Pentecost could understand the language, could understand it and hear it and hear what God is doing in the lives of these uneducated men. That's the miracle. And that's the indication that the gift of God had been given to these people. And it emboldened Peter to the point where this man who had denied Jesus Christ stood up and preached. And the Bible says thousands came to be baptized because of Peter, because of the Holy Spirit emboldening him, because of the Holy Spirit empowering him with the words to say so the people might respond. Well, in the weeks yet to come, we're going to talk about this Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about what He does, how He operates in our lives, and we're going to see the significance of all of this that comes together as, as God's gift to you as a believer. Well, the Holy Spirit was given and taken away in the Old Testament, but He becomes a permanent resident to those who trust in Jesus Christ as His or her Lord and Savior. So the question to you, do you embrace the gift of the Father? Or are you not really sure this whole concept have you trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have you literally turned your life over to Him? Do you know Christ? Do you, are you struggling with a decision in your life, whatever it might be? Do you, have you come to that place in your life where you know the value of being affiliated with a fellowship of faith such as a church? The visible body of Jesus Christ. Are you a member of a visible body of Jesus Christ, do you feel the Lord calling you to become a member, to become active? Have you come to that realization that through the Holy Spirit, God has not saved you to sit, but God has saved you to serve? And as He has saved you to serve, you want to find that place of service. This is as good a place as you'll ever find anywhere. And so I encourage you to heed the voice of the Holy Spirit in your life that's prompting you to go ahead and make that decision, whatever it might be. For all of us, it's a time of rededication to the Lord. So during this time of invitation, we want to have a time of rededication as well. Father, you've got something for me. You've you've made me a part of something greater than myself, something bigger than I can comprehend, perhaps. And yet, Lord, through the Holy Spirit, you will accomplish your purpose. Let's pray. Our most gracious Father, we just praise you for who you are and we thank you for this day. Lord God, we come to you knowing that you are in complete control here. This is your body. Lord Jesus, you know the parts that you want to place in it. And you know the reason why you're placing them there. This is your body. Lord, these are your parts. You've given us the the ability, the gifts the capabilities and the attributes to do the things that bring you the greatest joy, the glory, the honor that you so richly deserve. And we thank you. Father, for each and every person making a decision today, we praise you. Thank you, Father. So may we honor you above all things through our decisions. For it's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.